Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters, as we have you covered for all sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline where the game starts. What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros, with your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now, here's Balky and Blubber. What is up, Astros fans? Welcome to episode 62 of the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm Jeff Balgi alongside my partner, Jeff Blum. Both of us in a very rainy, gloomy Houston, Texas, but with the fresh shine of a win last night over the Blue Jays, and dare I say a shellacking of yeah. the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, um, including former, uh, quote unquote, the one that got away, George Springer. George, as uh, I was, I was in the press booth last night, and Brian McTaggart sitting behind me kept recounting exactly how far every ball that Springer hit that didn't go out, which was, <laughs> and he was like, by the end of the night, I turned, he had a third one, like deep center field, and I turned around and I said, how far is that? He goes, I'm calculating. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, exactly, and it was over a thousand feet uh, of of uh, loud fly balls for George yeah, Springer. Welcome home. Exactly. Blummer, how are you doing this morning? I'm great. You're right. We had a couple of absolutely gorgeous days here Sunday, Monday. But yes. Tuesday, we woke up to uh, the clap of thunder and uh, some, yes. some storms. So we're a little, as everybody loves it when I say it, we're a little moist this morning. <laughs> but uh, it's all good. I mean, it's, it's that springtime, water the, water the area, make it oh. nice and green. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. It's fine. Exactly. Exactly. And it is, it is moist out. That <laughs> is disturbing, but I get it. Um, mm. I should be noted, as some of you have seen on Instagram, Blummer and I finally met in person last night. We the, did it. It, just, it, was unbel- it, was, it was a miracle. I think that is a curse. And as he said, I'm not actually just three feet tall. Yeah, um, this day and I, age of AI, I mean, you could have been right. anything. But no, you actually just, showed up in the flesh. It was great. I, I was thinking last night, you could have been thinking you were getting catfished. And really, I was just some, like, uh, small, you know, guy from, like, Honduras. Like, yeah. or just, or or a woman from Canada. We don't know. Um, it could have been anything. a deep, it could have been a deep fake. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't get away with it because you're on television. Although, I don't know. They could be deep-faking you and Todd Callis and Julia. 
Yeah, as long as they don't deep fake the paycheck, we're good. <laughs> Speaking of which, I don't know if you saw this, but apparently someone out there calculated that players have actually received a raise this year because mm-hmm. of the because their hourly rate has increased. Yes. Which I found hilarious. They said like Aaron Judge with the pitch clock is making ninety four thousand dollars an hour. Without it, he was making only seventy eight. Oh my god! It's, That's a massive jump, though. Right, twenty thousand dollars an hour. Jeez. Twenty grand an hour. Oh, God bless. Nice him. God work bless that Yankee money. Get it. I know. Where's some of that? I need some of that Yankee money. I don't Man, want dude. to be in the Yankees, but give me some of that Yankee money. I'll take it. I will totally take it. So. Yeah. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher. Here's all the plugs for that. Of course, YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to keep up with us. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Astros. You can find me at Jeff Balky and Blummer at Blummer27. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Keep it coming. Um, we're, we're, you know, we're trying to hit a number with that. And the number is a lot. That's not yeah. actually a number, but you know what I'm saying. We want to get a lot is. A lot is a lot. We want to get there before Jose Altuve comes back. And here's the thing. Jose Altuve just got his cast off. I know, man. Somebody said mobility, and I was like, what? Yeah, he's just got the splint. He's just got the little splint on there, which is like Mm -hmm. what you put on when you're a kid and you, like, uh, you know, break your toe on your bike because you're riding your bike with uh, flip-flops instead of tennis shoes. And if if it sounds like I'm speaking from experience, it's because I am. Yeah, I got your back. Uh, I've done the same. Skateboarding, yeah, just, barefoot, you, not good. Exactly. Just got to tape them up. Just got to get that, you know, when you're BMXing in flip-flops. Yeah, if we get to that number, I'll show my skateboard scuff feet. That would be really great. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, nasty. Yeah, not good. Uh, thanks to everybody who's given us five stars and on Apple and left reviews. Please continue to do so. And obviously continue to send us your comments and questions. For example, we're going to do unsustainable or sustainable. Is this podcast sustainable? I say yes. Um, seems like it's seems like it's pretty sustainable. Just going to say. Yeah, and we have we a very small. More, we could be more sustainable with more fans. <laughs> That's right. Correct. Yeah. That's up to you. And sponsors, mm. by the way, um, still sending out feelers for those. So I just can't emphasize enough how incredibly well promoted you would be. And I it's mean, not affable, good looking, you know, exactly. responsible. It's just, it's, it's just amazing. And it's not even like it's not even the numbers. You know, will your will your sales increase? Of course. But really. It's more exponentially exactly, but it's more about the quality level of it's promotion you get. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. The yes. If you're associated with two, the level of respect fine... that your company will bring us is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, that's not necessarily wrong. That's not necessarily wrong. <laughs> I'm just going to say. Um, well, first, I just want to say to start out, do not run on the field. You know, blown yeah, by this, this guy, I, first of all, Channel 13 should not be running a story about the dude that runs on the field like an idiot after six beers. If you're drinking six beers in the first, like, although I don't know, was it the eighth inning now that they're allowing beers to be sold later in the game? I want, um, what's this guy's job? He's rich. 
And he was like, he was saying, he was like, yeah, really six beers. I mean, what's that like? <laughs> that's a, like what's a, that like, like three hundred bucks? bucks? Yeah, jeez. <laughs> I mean, but the thing is, don't run on the field. First of all, it, as you and I were talking about yesterday, nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows what your intentions are. You'll be lucky to make it out of there uninjured. You know, and yeah. who knows what these people are doing? So don't run on the field. And Channel Thirteen, come on. Don't put this guy on TV talking about destiny. It's like, I felt it was my destiny after six beers. Like everybody thinks something stupid like that is destiny after six beers. a lot of destinies if it only takes six beers to get there. (laughs) Right? But yeah, don't run on the field. I know, Blummer, you said, did you ever come close to an encounter like that? When you're yeah, on the I've field. Been on the, yeah, I've been on the field with, a, you know, when people have come running out there and it's it's uncomfortable because, like you said, you just don't know, why did this guy come out here? You know, is it mm-hmm. is it just check me out in, uh, you know, my Instagram or a bet with a buddy? And uh, mm-hmm. in my experience, there's only been one that's actually ended up okay, and that was the one when the guy ran out to Altuve because he's the sweetest man on earth. But, I mean, I've seen guys get tripped. I've seen guys get smoked. Um, oh, Montreal. Yeah. You, they're, they're, I don't know why anybody ran on the field in Montreal because the security guards, once they got their hands on you, there were some weird noises coming out from underneath the stands <laughs> after those guys got caught. And it wasn't like, hey, man, why'd you do that? It was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I was like, dang. So be careful. That's hockey country up there, man. Yeah, they, they don't probably, mess around, dude. They probably reached over his back and pulled his shirt over his head and then started wailing on yeah. him like a good hockey guy would just a straight uppercut into the shirt and yeah but, <laughs> yeah uh, don't you i mean I, I don't know if you spend the night in jail but i know you pay a fine and you're probably yeah, you, you blackballed do. i think we talk about from stadiums yeah this guy said he's he had to pay a hundred dollar fine which whatever that his beers cost more than that but um he had to spend the night in harris county jail which by the way nobody wants to spend the night in harris county jail sounds ever. interesting Right. It's not good. I've never spent any time there myself. I'm trying not to break my no arrest streak, but um, I will tell you right now, I've known some people who've gone there for various issues and it's it's not a walk in the park. Um, So then on top of that, yeah, he was banned from Minute Maid, supposedly a big Astros fan. Well, I guess you'll be doing that from your living room from now, bro. Hey, that's more listeners cool. for me. That's good. That's exactly right. And by the way, <laughs> speaking of more listeners for you, Kudos to Blummer for oh, the man. joke of last night. I, it was so subtle. That's what was that was what was great about it. Slipping it in there about what's Bass's first name? I forget his first name. It's not uh, Kevin. The reliever. It's not Kevin. That's why it's I keep Anthony. messing up. Anthony Bass. So Anthony <laughs> Bass, if you hadn't seen it, reliever for Blue J- for the Blue Jays, posted on Instagram that he was on a fly- United flight and his two daughters had made a mess with a bunch of popcorn. And he was mortified that the flight attendants made his wife, his pregnant wife, clean up the mess. And many questions arose from this, like, A, if you were on the flight, why did you not clean it up, sir, mm-hmm. if, if your wife is pregnant? Mm-hmm. If you weren't on the flight, why did your children heave popcorn all over the place? And for the record, why didn't you just pick it up? I don't expect people to just randomly pick up after me like that. And certainly if I did, if it were some kind of issue, which, by the way, my apologies to the uh, people cleaning the press box last night. I might have spilled popcorn on the floor, so I feel a little bit bad about that. Look at you. Um, I know. I'm being stand up, (laughs) right? But, dude, they're just working. You know, you can't 
be cold about that because they, you know, it's just not okay. <laughs> and so anyway, Blummer during the broadcast slipped in a very lovely little joke about how Bass was coming in to clean up, <laughs> taking over for Gosman. I, I don't know. Pretty I've got strong. issues. Yeah, man. But I mean, I'm just having fun. And it, I mean, the timing yeah. of it couldn't have been better with the Astros with a huge lead. I was feeling giddy. I couldn't, that, that story <laughs> took on an entire life of its own. Um, it was covered everywhere. And it, yeah. I mean, I'm sitting there calling the game and he comes in and I'm like, oh man, oh man. And I'm just like, the urge builds with every step he took towards the, the mound. And I was just like, well, it's in, I mean, it's in baseball context and it's in, in yes. social media context. So I was like, here we go. And I just said, hey, here's Anthony Bass. Here to clean it up, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I just, I just went with it. And, you know, obviously it caught wildfire, but uh, it was, you know, it, it was punish. <laughs> For being pun, man, how about pun? Punish being a word for punishing. Wow, um, <laughs> what just happened? Uh, but yeah, I was. There was a, that was just, there was a glitch in the matrix. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but I, I I was just trying to have a little bit of fun. It, it, it was is, crazy to it, me. I wasn't was, trying to be vicious, mean, or anything. It was just no. a, a, an opportunity presented itself, and my twelve-year-old inner self took care of it. <laughs> Hey, if you can't have a little fun out there, then what's the point? It's called a game for a reason. Yeah. You know, yeah. enjoy yourselves, people. And by the way, this guy opened himself up to it. That's yeah. on you. Yep. That's I on was you, only son. like the one millionth person to make a comment <laughs> about it. I know. I was going to say, look, this is how we know. My wife, who does not really follow baseball mm -hmm. other than through me, she knew about it. Like, but when I went to tell her, she goes, oh, yeah, the guy with the popcorn <laughs> on the floor in the United Flight. So she knew about it. So if she knows, then and, and she knows a lot more than I do, but not as much about baseball. And speaking of pitching last night, was, was Gosman tipping his pitches? Because he was getting crushed. I mean, the guy leads their team in strikeouts. I even tweeted last night, you know, you don't want to let him get in a groove. My goodness, seven runs right out of the gate. The most runs they had scored since 2020 in the first inning. What happened out there to that guy? I mean, I'm glad it happened, but what happened? Well, I mean, we all know that this offense needed something like that. We needed to see somebody other than Jordan and uh, Kyle Tucker going out there doing damage, but I did not right. anticipate this at all. You know, Doobie at the top of the lineup, he's been yeah. lit. Uh, he's smoking, whatever you want to call it. He has been on absolute fire, and it's amazing that he just goes up, first pitch, steps up, hits a rocket into center field, and all of a sudden, here we go. And yeah. You know, I think it's a little bit of game planning, and I think it's a little bit of maybe Gossman was giving you know a better indication of what his pitches might be. Yeah. But at the same time, the split fingered fastballs that he relies on didn't look as sharp as I've seen them in previous starts because he punched out right. ten, he punched out eleven against Detroit, ten of them on that split finger the previous start to get to that 25 uh, strikeout threshold that you're talking mm -hmm. about to set that uh, Blue Jays record, which is outstanding. But the Astros did a very good job of laying off the pitch down in the zone. And we always had a theory when we were facing guys with good splits um, or good curveball was if it's high, let it fly, which means if it's up in the zone it, or if it's above the zone, it's going to break into the zone. Go mm -hmm. ahead and let it fly. Swing at it. And the other one was if it's low, let it go. So if you see it start in the zone, let that thing drop down out of the zone. There were a lot of check swings and guys were holding up. So there was the anticipation of that pitch. But at the same time, those guys did a good job of laying off. But man, if it was left in the zone, 
good lord, the Astros unloaded because there were some center cut fastballs that were in yeah. the middle part of the zone. Uh, the ball that Corey Jolks hit out of them. Oh my goodness. That well, was a rocket. Well, the exit velocities early on were off the exactly. charts. I yes. mean, my goodness. I, you know, it's, it's interesting to me too, because I tweeted that I said, this is what the Astros have done throughout this entire air. That's made them so good. You know, mm-hmm. they don't swing at bad pitches. And when they do uh, swing at a pitch, it's a pitch they want um, and, you know, it just seems like that's what they were doing last night. Jose Abreu with a huge double, which is good for him, obviously, because he's been struggling. Um, mm-hmm. And then Jake Myers. <laughs> what in the hell happened to this guy? It's a home run the opposite field. Dude, if, you, if there were prop bets in the middle of the game for, oh. you know, what guys were going to do, you would have made a crap ton of money on that. You would have made a boatload of money on Jake Myers. I mean, good Lord. Yeah, yeah, but, so every, but you called it though. We were standing there watching batting practice. You, Jake yeah. was having an impressive, it was a different was. batting practice. It felt like he was, he was crushing balls like him, like he, and there were certain guys out there that were just absolutely mauling the baseball. Um, jokes was one of them. Jake Myers was another one. And they just looked we, you know, we talked about that a little bit, that just looking like they were aggressive, like looking like they were wanting to hit home runs. They were wanting to, you know, it wasn't like an, a batting practice of a veteran who's out there just kind of, eh, I'm going to give it, you know, yeah. kind of go each way and get comfortable. Now these guys were like, no, 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 I'm going to murder this baseball every time it comes near me. And obviously Sw- that's swinging with malicious intent. Yes. I mean, they, you know, they killed a lot of baseballs mm. and, you know, and speaking of pitching, though, you know, you talked about Gosman not having his best stuff. Christian Javier didn't either. I mean, oh, he really man. struggled with his command, uh, but, you know, hustled his way to like a one run, five innings, um, still managed to, to sort of hold it together. It didn't hurt that they were up seven runs after one, um, you know, but I, I, I don't know. It's, Javier seems like he's been a little up and down early this season. And his command seems to be the biggest issue to me. He just can't seem to quite get into the zone. Uh, and when he does, he sometimes leaves it over. And I mean, he's given up more home runs, I think, than he did in half of last year or something. Yeah. Seems like that's a, that's an issue right now. No, it is. Uh, it's it's the command. You know, it's it's going to be hit or miss early on. I know that uh, he's usually primarily at the top part of the zone with that fastball, and mm-hmm. then you can throw that slider change up down. But uh, yeah, you, you would figure with a seven to seven nothing lead to start the game, uh, you just come out just pumping heaters, trying to get ahead in counts. But I'm trying to remember the number exactly because it kind of stunned Todd and myself in the booth. Mm. It was like something like three for 15, 16 as far as first pitch strikes. And uh, that, that's wow. a tough number to kind of deal with. And that's going to ramp up that pitch count. And that's why he was out after, you know, what, 97 pitches in five innings. Because yeah. uh, yeah. he was really struggling to get through that thing. But fortunately, he only gave up one run. The one thing, the one positive I can take away from Christian Javier is uh, two positives. His, his personality, you know, exudes no panic. I mean, he's right. going to be frustrated, but I don't think he's going to panic. And I think he's going to, you know, th- this process will clean itself up because he's good. Um, right. The second thing is I saw the velocity in the mid-90s. Yes. You know, the velocity jumped a little bit for me, and I, I kind of like that. No, I agree with you. His velocity was up. I, I will say, look, even even 
in the sense of not having command, quote unquote, he still threw 57 strikes and 97 pitches. So it wasn't like he, you know, it was like at 30% strike ratio or something like that. I mean, it wasn't great. You'd like to see him a little bit higher than that, but it still was livable, especially again with a, with a seven to nothing lead after the first inning. Um, I wanted, I, the, the main thing I kind of want to get into today is I wrote a story for the press and, and I want to, I want to go over the ideas with you. And this is to determine whether or not we think these things, I hinted at it earlier, are sustainable or not. Um, this is early in the season. Obviously the Astros now at uh, eight and nine, they need to go three and two to be 11 and 11 in April for the third year in a row. Let's see if it <laughs> happens. Um, it's like, I don't know what it is about 11 and 11. It's, it's also weird because 11, 11, you know, there's a, I don't know if you've ever seen these people like to, whenever it's 11, 11 AM or PM, people like to write 11, 11 on Twitter. It's like a superstition. So I don't know if this well, is I some, you like, I thought you took like your opposite elbow to your opposite knee and like for good luck. I just made that up. <laughs> That's a new one. That's yeah. a new one. I, I, yeah, it's weird. So maybe they're just, maybe they're just superstitious. I don't know, but um, I'm going to say not, but uh, I do want to see what you think about some of the sustainability or unsustainability mm-hmm. of some of these guys so far. And I have, um, I have six guys here that I kind of went over and uh, I want to, I want to get your take on these. So the first one is Mauricio Dubon. And obviously we've talked about him quite a bit. Um, You know, as you said, like, can he continue like this? And you're like, let's see, let's let him, (laughs) you know, hopefully he can. (laughs) Um, Right now he's slashing 340, 357, 396 and 753 for OPS, which for Mauricio Dubon, I mean, he's not a slugger. That's a guy that doesn't slug. Yeah. No, not at all. But here's the crazy part. He's hitting 340. The best season he ever had with batting average was the 2020 COVID season for the Giants where he was 274. Otherwise, he's a career 250 hitter. Like, mm-hmm. that's his deal. Don't judge. It's not bad. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I thought about <laughs> actually right when they said that. Um, but he's a career 250 hitter. Who's hitting 340 at the moment? Yeah. Now, I just, it, this can't possibly be sustainable, right? Well, that's the thing is, you get, what's the sustainability? Is it the 340, 350 for a guy like Mauricio Dubon? Mm-hmm. Probably not. And I think even he would admit that. But as a ball player, you just ride this wave as long as you possibly can. But at the same time, you know, that's. How, how far does it fall? I mean, you get mm-hmm. off to a great start like this. Yes. Maybe you drop down to 300. I don't know. Could right. he be a 300 hitter? If if his approach is, is what it is right now, where mm-hmm. he's on top of the baseball, ground ball, line drives everywhere, <laughs> going to the opposite yeah. field, I think he could be you know one of those guys that's like 280, 300. Yes. And I tell you what, if he's able to maintain a 280, 300 until Altuve comes back, tip of the cap bro i mean you you crushed it and you went above and beyond and did everything that we, you possibly could thank you for your service and he's turned himself into a piece if he's yeah. able to do that for another month or two and yeah. that's what i think is really intriguing about this is because the bench depth on this ball club yeah. probably isn't what you would hope it would be because you look across at the toronto blue jays you've got whit merrifield alejandro mm-hmm. kirk and espinal those are three pretty good ball players you know yeah. one of them was an all-star with the kansas city royals alejandro kirk is you know uh, he's gone for a batting title type thing but espinal had that, a dinger last night yeah so these guys those guys are good but now you turn 
of Mauricio Dubon into something similar to an Espinal, where you're like, okay, I can bring this guy off the bench in that seventh, eighth, or ninth to lead right. off an inning, and all of a sudden we've got a guy on base, or you bring him up with you know kind of a guy that slashes the ball around the field with maybe a yes. runner at third base less than yeah. two. Why you know he's turned himself into an option, and I think that's what's the best part about what Mauricio is doing is he is now a viable option. I think it's great. Right. Well, can he be the Astros this era's Tony Kemp? You know, yeah, where he just comes up call. there and slaps the ball around. You know, I mean, that's puts together the a great thing, at bat. Yeah, yeah. The other thing too, and I think this is you mentioned it about the bench. Like a lot of people would say, no, we don't have enough bench up. Well, we don't because we have guys injured. Like yeah. if you get Brantley and Al, you get ben, yeah, exactly you get Brent, Brantley and Altuve healthy. Like, what is a bench with Corey Jolks, David Hensley, and oh Mauricio Dubon look like? Right. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, your options become much better. You know, when those guys are healthy. How about this? Mm-hmm. You ready? Bold yeah, I'm ready. Right here. I'm always ready. What positions has Mauricio Dubon played in the past? He's played second. He's played center field. Up, uh, up, up, uh, up. <laughs> you can see him doing some center, huh? What if Altuve comes back and Mauricio moves to center with that bat? It's an interesting call. How good defensively is he in center field compared to, question. say, Myers or Marisnik? Uh, or not Marisnik, sorry, uh, McCormick. There's too many M's in center field. Yeah, too many M's. And, and then, of course, right now we don't know what's up with Chaz McCormick's eyeball. Which is yeah, I haven't just, heard any reports on that. It's kind of weird. I hope he's all right, man. Dusty said yesterday that he's improving, but, he, you know, classic Dusty was like, I don't know, he's, I'm not a doctor. This is just the coolest dude ever. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong. And then that doesn't even account for anything else. Like, is Pedro Leon eventually going to call up because he is just Mm -hmm. destroying the minor leagues? Um, You know, and you've got Corey Jolks who can play the outfield. Uh, You know, it's it's a like they could really. And then, by the way, Yonder Diaz, who's still been hitting well. Yeah, um, he's calling. He, he's calling some great games. Dude doesn't give up. Calling. His catcher's ERA is unreal. Yes, and I, I. So I'm very interested to see how the bench depth changes mm-hmm. once we get a little healthier. Because I think that that argument's probably going to go out the window. Because I think our bench depth will be good. It's just like you yeah. said, they're all playing right now. They're not all star the break. Could be like all star break. It could be a completely different ball club. I'm with you're 100 percent right. Okay, so going on to the next one, Jose Abreu. Uh, obviously had a big double last night, but when you look at his numbers, I mean, 239, 280, 282, 562 for OPS, which is, I mean, slugging 282 is horrible. Yeah, when your slug number is lower than your on base, you need, right. you need to do some work. Right. But also no home runs. He's got three doubles. But the other thing that really startling about him, 19 strikeouts with only three walks. This is a guy who generally has pretty good plate discipline. He does strike out sometimes, but he's, he, you know, I, I think I looked up the numbers and, you know, he's averaged about 132 strikeouts per 162 games in his career. He's never struck out more than 152 times. He's on pace for 170 right now. Um, so, you know, I, I, I watch, I think we talked yesterday. I watched him in batting practice. He was also out there for an extended time prior to batting practice you know, just by himself out there doing fielding drills, um, which I thought was kind of interesting because he was out there for quite a while. Um, I, it, it, I feel like this is for him. This is, can't be sustainable. This is a guy who's eventually going to progress to the mean. Are his power numbers down? Maybe, you know, maybe last year wasn't an anomaly, 
but still you have to figure at least them. I mean, this guy, like you pointed out before, he's hit 300 with runners in scoring position for his career. Mm-hmm. You've got to figure that's going to come up at some point. Yeah, and he, he, I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack because he's got new skin. He's been wearing those, you know, black and white pinstripes on the south side for so mm-hmm. long, coming into a new situation, replacing a guy that was beloved in the middle part of the lineup, protecting Jordan Alvarez. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he comes in with a lot of expectation, the new contract, uh, whatever it may be. I think he's just trying to settle in a little bit. You know, he was kind of punching the ball around his first couple of days, you know, with yeah. the Astros. But now I think, he, you know, the swings that we saw yesterday from Jake or Jake Myers, you got me doing it now. Uh, Jake Myers and uh, Jose Abreu could be promising because they were malevolent swings. They were going after it, attacking, putting a power swing on it. Abreu hit that ball off the center field wall. Mm. It was an estimated 415 feet. If he just mm. angles that a little bit more to the left or a little bit more to the right, he's got a three-run home run. So right. hopefully that provides some of the confidence and some of the – instills some of the faith in himself to go out there and produce and, and you do it against a guy like Gosman. Yeah. All of a sudden you say, okay, I put together some pretty good swings against a Cy Young contender uh, more often than not. Uh, maybe I've got something going here, but sometimes you just need to feel that ball off the bat, hear that home crowd cheer for you that one big mm-hmm. time. And all of a sudden you're going, okay, I can do this. But uh, we know defensively it's going to be tough to match up with what Yuli did. Yuli was spectacular at first base. So you just expect him to do good enough. I think defensively and maybe more time with Joe Spada makes him better. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the thing I think with with him here, like you said, he is new. Um, The thing with me is the contact, like he's, he's been struggling with contact, but you know, the guy is someone who makes contact. He's a contact hitter. Generally, he's not a big strikeout guy. He's, he's got a generally good eye. Those are things that you just don't assume are all of a sudden going to fall off a cliff. You can see yeah. the athleticism, maybe the power numbers, whatever, but his ability to, to hit the ball, make good contact. And look last night, what was it? 116 off the, off the bat for him. Um, yeah, the exit velo. So yeah, I, he's, he's obviously it's all there. I feel like mm-hmm. it's just a matter of him putting it together. It's just going to, yep. you know, which may take a little bit of time. Um, next up on the list, Hunter Brown, um, oh, man. he's two, I mean, he's two and O with a one ninety three ERA. He's got, he's got 8.2 strikeouts for nine innings and a 1.018 whip for Hunter. You know, listen, everybody loves to talk about Hunter Brown and Justin Verlander, right? He's, he was his idol growing up in Detroit and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we've seen the side by side comparisons to their, uh, to their throwing, motion they're not the same guy you know verlander's a totally different guy in terms of how he pitches and if even you get a tenth of verlander out of hunter brown it's it's a great career mm-hmm. um but i don't know i look at him and i think when i watch him pitch he looks like a guy that he's not straining he's not doing anything remarkable by his standards he's throwing that hard slider and honestly, his curveball has been ridiculous um, and still throwing heat. I just feel like this might be, you know, as the kids like to say, that he might be him. You know, that just mm-hmm. might be the deal. Well, you, you kind of hope who he's been, he, he will be who he has been the last two starts because there was yeah. an opportunity in Minnesota to be a streak stopper, and you need those guys mm-hmm. in your rotation, and it takes makeup yes. and talent to be able to go out there and do that. So he showed a lot to me mentally 
to go out there and really kind of shove against the Twins and get his his mm-hmm. team an opportunity to win that ball ball game, which they did. And you're right, though he you know he was working with Yiner Diaz, and Yiner Diaz kept putting down the number two to bring that curveball, and he just did not have it mm-hmm. the first three innings. The last four innings, he legit had it, so he got it back, mm-hmm. which was impressive that he made the adjustment. And then you go into that last game he pitched, and he had errors behind him. He had a couple of misplays, and he didn't yeah. freak out. He didn't panic. <clears throat> he continued to go out there and compete and actually got himself out of some tough jams. And that's what I like to see is, like, the stuff we know the talent's yeah. there. He's got, you know, 95-plus right. on the fastball. The slider's 92 to 94, for God's sakes. And then he has a hammer. You know, if he develops a changeup, that would be just another weapon that mm-hmm. he's able to go out there and compete against left-handed hitters with. But I think that uh, what he's shown me in the last two starts upstairs from the you know from the neck up is something that is kind of intriguing, and that's where I question: Can he sustain that? Because if he can sustain that kind of poise with his stuff, then, then you've got a guy who's potentially going to be a very good pitcher in a rotation. And the thing to me, watching him out there too, is that his, his the one I would say the one place where you can say, okay, here that's kind of Verlander esque. His velocity doesn't dip late no. in games. I, it was that back. was something he can, and that's something not all guys have the ability to do. Um, that's a unique skill uh, to be able to yeah. reach back and hit ninety six, ninety seven when you're in the seventh inning. And you know what else is unique to me about uh, Hunter Brown is something that I kind of harped on his last start. Uh, you know, in his big league career, he's a sixty percent ground ball guy. Is he really? And yeah, it's wow. ridiculous. And now all that tell that tells me a couple of things. It tells me that when guys play behind you, they're going to be alert because the mm-hmm. ball is being put in play and it's being put in play on the ground. So I'm going to make a play behind you. The second thing is. A ground ball is a fantastic way to get out of a jam when you have given up an error, when you have given up a cheap base hit. Don't panic. Get the ball on the ground. Guys turn a double play, and you're walking off the field. And that's happened for him a couple of times. And uh, I'm sure he realizes that, but that's a stark difference from what Justin Verlander is, who is heavy on a fly ball. You're right. And it it also kind of seems to me that that means guys are hitting over the top on pitches. So they're not, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not seeing the ball. He's, it's not, uh, riding in there, he's it's you know especially with the curveball that thing has a huge break to it. So these yeah. guys are not seeing that ball well when it's coming out of his hand, and that's you know that's something to me that if you you keep that going, that's going to also it just changes the dynamic of their whole pitching rotation. Really, mm-hmm. I mean we we expected him to do good, but I mean he's their fifth guy, you know. But, and but so think about what just happened in this in the in the most recent series when you did mm-hmm. see Hunter Brown. I mean, Framber Valdez pitched his ass off and didn't get oh, the yeah. win, but right. you saw seven innings from Hunter, seven innings from Framber. That, that's in back to back starts. That's you know that that's, that actually looked kind of cool on you know watching that unfold. And you had to, and and that was one of the things we talked about was the one worry about losing Verlander is his eating innings. You know, mm-hmm. being a guy that can yep. come in, you've struck. You got the bullpen has been stretched out. You need a guy to come in. I thought Dusty Baker handled the bullpen so well last night in a game that was way out of hand. He lets Maton the serial killer because the guy it's is still, expressionless. Is still Maton sustainable because that dude is a badass right now. It's a really good question. It's a really good question. Uh, he comes in, goes two innings. You let Seth Martinez come in and go an inning, and then and then Ryan Stanek to finish it out. You really didn't put any pressure on anybody. It's just a really, I thought it was really smart how he handled that, especially after you only got five innings from Christian Javier. That was really good. So let's go to the other side of the plate in terms of pitching, and that's Luis Garcia. 
Yep. 0 and 7 with a 7.71 ERA. He's still throwing 9.6 strikeouts per nine, which is you know kind of unbelievable considering the ERA. That is hellish, man. It really is. He just you know, and it's a one eight one point eight five seven whip. It feels to me like the biggest problem right now is people are just crushing his fastball. You know, they are just crazy. His fastball is just catching mm-hmm. too much of the zone. Have you noticed any velocity changes or anything? Yeah. Or is that one part of it? I can't remember who he faced last time out. Might have been Martin Perez. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. It was in that Texas series, but it was, it, you know, both pitchers were down, you know, almost a mile and a half on their fastball. And you know, when you lose a mile and a half and you th- and you consistently throw 95, 96, it's not that big of a deal. But when you throw 93, mm-hmm. 94, and you lose a mile and a half on your fastball, that mm-hmm. that's a big deal. It, it all of a sudden becomes very visible and very hittable. But uh, it was also interesting to hear his post game comments where he wasn't fa- He was like, hey, man, I thought I pitched all right. So, you know, what we see and what he feels may be two totally different things. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it starts to trend in the right direction because he's confident enough in his stuff. Um, you know, the easy thing is to go, you know, Rob Manford screwed him by taking away his, you know, rock the baby situation, <laughs> which gave him rhythm. I don't, you know, I don't know what it is, but uh, right. I think he's good enough, big enough, strong enough, smart enough to go out there and fix it. I just hope he does because you're right. The last, you know, when you go out there and start your last start with a 70 RA and you walk out mm-hmm. of that start with a 7.71, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, we need to see these numbers start to trend in a different direction. But uh, hopefully, you know, that that cutter use is really what saves him most of the time. Right. Being able to get the swing and miss because that is a very, very good pitch for him. But like you said, if you can't set up, if you can't use that to set up your fastball or use the fastball right. to set up your cutter, you're going to be in trouble. Well, it feels like if he's if he's going to be even just a little bit down in velocity, he's going to have to start locating better. Because um, I yeah, looked that's at a his... Key. Greg Maddox, that's, that's what he preached, yeah. Right. I looked at his... Um, his chart on uh, fan graphs to see and like the, the, his fastball is almost entirely right in the zone, like right. in oh, just, wow. you know, and so it's just, you're going to have to locate better if you can. I worry about his, like, look, I was the one who said, I thought Luis Garcia was going to uh, be one of the more improved Astros this year. I, I was with you. I thought the same <laughs> so, thing. I'm hoping I'm wrong. We'll see. Um, next up, Jeremy Pena. Um, Right now, he's slashing 217, 289, 391, and 680. Not horrible in terms of the – he's got to bring the OPS up a little bit. But he's, the thing with Jeremy Pena right now is the strikeouts. He's got 19 strikeouts, four walks. That's just – you can't do that. And it's no wonder that – I mean, you had to get him out of the the, low, the leadoff spot. You can't have that many strikeouts and be in the leadoff spot. Um is this an adjustment period? Do you think for him that something he's going to adjust to and and improve over time? He obviously has the the skills for it. Yeah. What did we see? We've only seen Jeremy Pena in the big leagues once, and guess what happened? The very same thing. And yep. guess how it finished for Jeremy Pena? <laughs> yeah. An right. Electric September and yep. an even better October. So I think I think you know just kind of I. I don't think what he's doing is sustainable. I think he's going to get better. I think that he is going to be fine. He's going to figure it out. He, you know, the the chances that he gets on base, he's going to be stealing. You know, he still brings quite a bit to the ball club. You know, it's just a matter of getting on base a little more consistently. And we all know this. I mean, I have harped on it. I've said it for the last seven or eight years at the Astros. When they're right, layoff pitches out of the zone, force the pitcher in the zone, and then they go to smash town. And that's exactly what Jeremy Pena is going to eventually figure out is, okay, I see the slider early. I lay off the slider. 
oh, here's a slider in the zone, crush. And, you know, that's just, I think maybe this is just his arc. We've become accustomed with Alex Bregman having slow starts. What if yeah. Jeremy Payne is just another one of those guys that has slow starts and then finishes yeah. incredibly strong? And that's just who these guys are. I think we're just trying to figure out who exactly these guys are. But Jeremy Payne is going to be fine. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's just – I, I – would love it if the light bulb went off at some point. It happens with so many guys where they're like, they struggle a little bit with the strikeout. They struggle and all of a sudden something happens mm-hmm. and they just oh, yeah. sort of see the ball differently. And you know, then before you know they're it, they're bussing. Yeah. No, I do think I do. I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, all jokes aside, I do think that uh, Jeremy Pena is going to bounce back from all yeah. this. I do. Um, which brings me to Alex Bregman. Right, mm-hmm. we just talked about notorious slow starter. He's hitting 197. This is the craziest stat. He's slugging 303, but his on base is 338, which wow. is you know that's because he's walking all the time. I mean, the guy's still he and, strikeouts big time. Yeah, give him credit, like credit to to Bregman for the fact that he's not able right now. He's just not hitting the ball well. I mean, he's never been. He's not a you know, he's not a guy that's hit 280, 293. That's not who he is. Um, he's always been around 260. But the thing with him is that he is really good at trying walks. And so credit mm-hmm. to him for, for like, you know, getting on base regardless of the of the circumstances with his hitting. But, I mean, is this like we feel like this is early season Alex Bregman just, you know, needing to round into shape? Yeah, I mean, he was great in the Pittsburgh series. <laughs> he was yeah. smashing baseballs all over the place, got a couple of bombs. Um, he He's just such a tireless worker. And in my experience, watching those guys who work hard, work smart, yeah. usually end up okay. And I think Alex Bregman is one of those guys. And I think that he'll, by the end of this, we'll go, man, remember that slow start? And all of a sudden, he's got you know 15 to 20 home runs. He's driving and run. He's, sco- he's going to score. You know, at the rate he gets on base with the people yeah. hitting behind him, he's going to score 100 runs. <clears throat> right. His defense has been fantastic. I mean, he may even go out. I mean, he, I would imagine by the end of the year, he's in that gold glove contention yeah. at third base. And, uh, you know, the, you know what? what is Alex Bregman? Is he the 40 home run guy? Is he the 25 to 30 home run guy? I think we're still trying to figure out who he can mm-hmm. be consistently. But I think if he's at 260, 270 with, you know, 15 to 20 and, you know, knocking in ninety yeah. and scoring a hundred, I'm 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 pretty comfortable with saying that he could get back to those numbers. Yeah, I, well, you mentioned the, the the glove work, man. That catch last night he made on that foul ball sliding into Ooh. the <clears throat> sliding into the wall. I mean, yeah, uh, he's he's. I mean, obviously, Gold Glove sometimes they you know it goes with guys that hit too. So I'm assuming he's going to hit, which I don't know why that would be the case. It's called the gold glove, not the gold bat, idiots. But well, um, analytics now are kind of trending in the glove direction as opposed to the hitting. So fortunately, that right. should help him out. But man, he yeah, he is he is he is spectacular at the hot corner. Yeah, and um and I kind of wonder, Blum. I I watched that last night. and I thought about you. Like what? How do you deal with the uh, presence of the wall? As you're going, I mean, like, is it, is it, do you, are you looking? Is it, cause you can't want to take your eye off the ball, but like, how do you, how do you deal with the proximity of that and, and sort of what that means when you're trying to make a catch over there? 
Um, well, it was at his home ballpark, so he has a really good idea of what's over there and how many steps it takes. Uh, you yeah. feel the feet, you know, you feel your uh, warning track under your feet. Um, but there's a certain timing mechanism and there's this awareness that you have when, you know, that court sense that everybody talks about, you know, knowing yeah. where guys are out on the court and kind of having right. it in your peripheral. But, uh, you know, Alex is a very good third baseman who knows where that fence is. And he, ta- you, when you first take off, you've got an idea that that baseball is going to be near the, near the fence. Mm-hmm. You take a peek and you try and gauge how quickly you're moving, how high the ball is. And, you know, it, you're doing geometry in the matter of minutes or seconds in, o- in order to go over there and figure it out. But I think once you throw your body at that baseball, that's mm-hmm. when you're throwing caution into the wind. And I was very impressed with his ability to go out there and do that because considering the circumstances with a a large lead, but you had a mm-hmm. pitcher struggling. So he picked up Christian Javier. That was personal for him to go into it, that fence really and make did. that catch. And that's what I love about Alex is he's constantly thinking about the team first and what it, how, what kind of impact it's going to have on everybody else. Mm-hmm. And he made that play. But going into those fences, it's not easy. It's a, it's a calculated risk. And uh, hopefully you have enough experience over there to know how to handle it. But all those uh, – it's just funny to me. If you go back and watch you know, the, uh, the beginnings of Minute Maid Park, those mm-hmm. were iron fences. They were? In that first row. They weren't padded. Oh, <laughs> God, who made that yeah. decision? Well, yeah, as somebody who'd never played third base. <laughs> Them and where's with that in Tal's Hill between yeah, those seriously. two? Like, yeah, seriously. who wanted to watch the game instead of actually having to play it. Let's make an iron fence on third base and put a flagpole in the middle of center field. That yeah. seems like a great plan. Like you know, <laughs> you know, Blum. On that, speaking of that, when you did, you ever wind up in the lap of somebody when you were going after a ball? <laughs> Um, I've lunged in there. I haven't actually like f- fully fallen into into the into the stands, but I've reached maybe you know a good row or two back in. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a play in San Diego where I, I think I put my hand on somebody's like chest and kind of <laughs> leaned in there accidentally cause, just because I was headed that way. But uh, I never actually fell in, thankfully. See that I, I often wonder about like if if when you're running towards a wall, if if, if the fans make a difference, right? You know, because yeah, if they're they over there yelling, they, they did it, not anymore. Well, yeah, <laughs> the, the, uh, I just feel like, you know, the, the Doppler, the effect of getting closer to the noise must have mm-hmm. some impact on that, but that's, that's fascinating. Um, all right. Last guy on this list. I want to, I want to, you know, discuss sustainable or not is Corey Jolks because, and honestly he was not really, he wasn't even on my list until I was sitting in the press box last night. I was like, this guy Story of the year, right? Like I, I, I kind of said, you know, and I said in my story that leading up to spring training, we were all thinking about uh, Pedro Leon and his potential impact on the outfield. We, Corey Jokes was not on the radar. He's a you know late blooming major leaguer. He's been in the minors for six years. He's 27 years old. Um, on top of that, he was not a great hitter until really like just the last year and a half where there were just, they did some tweaks to his swing, apparent swing mechanics. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he developed power that he hadn't had previously. Um, right now he's slashing 317, 310, 537 with an 847 OPS, mm. two mm. home runs and three do- doubles. And in my, in my story where I said sustainable versus unsustainable, I just wrote, please God, make it sustainable yeah. because this kid is just ridiculous. I'm, I'm so impressed with how good he has been. And, and not just that, but how poised he has been considering the fact it's taken him a long time to get here. So he's really paid a lot of dues. 
and he's from here. You know, so the pressure that puts on somebody when they're from the hometown, you know, that you're playing in your hometown, you've struggled to get there. It's just so impressive to me so far. No, he, he's he's the story of the season so far for me. I mean, I know Mauricio Dubon, but he's got mm-hmm. big league time and he's made adjustments, which are great. But I think the story of the year right now is Corey Jolks because we were in camp. We're like, man, last year, 31 home runs, 90 plus RBIs. You're going, this guy's great, made the adjustment. You know, it, can he make the team? And you're kind of like, well, I, you know, you could make a case yeah. or you could not make a case. I don't think anybody would be shocked if he had to go back to AAA. And then we broke camp, and here's Corey Jolks on the big league roster. And you went, wow, okay, here he is. Let's see what he can do. And like you said, I appreciate the hell out of guys who have had to struggle a little bit to get here because mm-hmm. they appreciate being here so much more. And then you put on that star and that H. I can only imagine the joy that he had when he put that on for the first time, knowing that he grew up watching this team. Right. He sat in the stands in 2022 to watch them win a World Series. Unbelievable. And now he gets to wear the uniform and help help this team compete, hopefully, for another World Series. So I love the fact, and I also love that we're learning him about, more about him as a ball player. Yeah. Uh, plays a competent left field, made a great play in Pittsburgh. Mm, you know, Obviously did. can play a very good left field here at Minute Maid Park. Uh He's adjusting his in bat in in at bat adjustments are kind of showing up a little bit. He swung at a slider off, uh, man, I can't uh, pop Zach Pop last night mm. uh, against the Toronto Blue Jays, and he kind of chased out of the zone. Zach Pop went out there again with that slider, and Corey Jolk spit on it. I was like, okay, he, he's going to school and learning real quick here. So I appreciated the heck out of that. And then if you put the the his record when he starts, I think it's seven and two, eight and two when he plays. It was yeah, no. Somebody said last night that it was like somebody said eight and no, which I didn't. I don't think it's no, right. It's not. But it's like it's like eight and two. You had something crazy yeah. like that. Guess what the Astros are when he's not starting. Oh, well, I can't do the math. They have nine losses. Oh, and seven. I mean, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stroke that a little bit for him too. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, look. I, the thing I just I can't get over and you mention it like the in a bat adjustments I saw him step out of the box with two strikes you know mm-hmm. which you don't think much of it right but it's that's mature. something you, you that's something a lot of guys are doing you see you see Jose Abreu do it you see Alex Bregman do it guys are like okay this is my chance to step out and take time to sort of gather myself he's figured it out already now granted mm-hmm. he's been playing with these these rules in the minors which has got to help at least a little um but man, it's just just so impressive and, and really kind of a, a swing to me that I don't know what mechanics they changed. I don't know what they did, you know, to help, but he has a swing that it translates, right? It's kind of a mm-hmm. compact swing. It's not a big wide open swing. Um, he looks like a guy who can hit the ball, not just for power, but he looks like the kind of guy who he makes contact. He doesn't strike out a ton. You know, um, he has good plate discipline. It's pretty remarkable for a kid. I mean, we say this, he's 27. He has played for a while. But, God, man, to, to make that move, because we've seen it so many times before with guys who are just good in the minors and they get up to the majors and just something happens. And they're just they just don't play well at the major yeah. league level. And that's a credit to Dana Brown, Dusty Baker, you know, Snicker, Cintron for seeing yeah. something internally in Corey Jolks that translated to this guy would be a good addition to our ball club. Especially given the fact that we were all starry-eyed over Justin Dearden. 
all spring. Oh, yeah, we you know, were that was snowed over. Yeah, man. We, we were just like, and, and not to say that Dearden won't eventually make his way up here too, but you know, this is again where we talk about how so many times we, and, and you less than me, but certainly many of us are playing checkers while the, the people in charge are playing chess and um, they saw it. That's why we have the podcast. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, kids, we're done playing that fabulous game. We like to call sustainable or unsustainable. I'm going to bring this back later in the year because I feel like there's some good stats out there. Like finally the Astros are turning around the strikeout walk numbers. Yeah. It's like not for huge. a while there, that was terrifying for a while. I was like, Oh no, you know, they're, you know, and that's, I started thinking, you know, is this what we're going to be? And then I realized we're dealing with the Astros and the Astros don't strike out a crap load and then walk n- never at all. You know, yeah. well, we know this. I just, <laughs> but I doubt it. I doubt it for a moment. So who knows? All right. Thanks for joining us today, everybody. Blummer, any final thoughts? You get um, a couple more Blue Jays games. Um, when do you go back out on the road? Is that next week? Is it over the weekend or are you still here? Thursday. Yeah, we go oh, to yeah. Atlanta. This is this is a pretty good tr- uh, stretch for the Astros. It'll be a test. They've got uh, two more with Toronto three with Atlanta, three with Tampa Bay before they come back home. So yeah, we'll be out on the road next week. Nice. Well, and then you'll, then you'll be back just in time for, mm, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to save it. Someone's birthday is coming. That's all I'm going to say. (laughs) Nice. Um, Also, I will mention that we will be back on Saturday. We're going to do a Saturday morning because guess what? The kid here has jury duty on Friday. Oh my yes, that's right. I, now, here's the good news. And this is something everyone should know. I have municipal jury duty. So if you get municipal jury duty, you absolutely desperately want to get on a jury panel. Do you know why you want to do that for municipal jury duty? Because guess what? Municipal jury duty is over at the end of the day. So oh. no matter what happens, it's municipal jury duties like DWIs and, you know, small mm-hmm. events and stuff like that. So you go in there, it's like a small group of people, you get picked, you're in there for like half a day, it's all over, and then you're exempt for three years. So the okay. next time you get called for municipal jury duty, don't be like, oh, crap. Be like, yes, this is my chance. I'm going to go in there and pretend to be the best juror of all time. I like, I'm going to be foreman. Like, I'm going to control the whole thing. It'll be like, and make everybody call you George. It'll be exactly. It'll be twelve happy men, not twelve angry men. In this case, gonna <laughs> be in there. So, but we will be back with a fresh pod brought to you by Bet Online. Huge thanks to all our listeners and viewers all over the place. You guys are awesome. Keep liking and subscribing. Keep subscribing to that YouTube channel, man. See some more people on there because it is absolutely a hundred percent worth it. And check out Insta because there's plenty of good content that's coming on there. Super thankful for everybody. Keep it coming. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you on Saturday. Go Astros. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.